Before we dive into this episode, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you love listening to this show, please take a second and leave a review. It'll help boost the show so that others struggling in a toxic workplace can find it. Thanks. I was just fresh out of college. One of my friends was applying for places and they found this one and they were like, I think this would be great for you. You're good at talking to people. I know you work great in fast-paced environment. And I immediately pulled up the posting and applied. This is Jules. Fresh out of college, Jules found a fast-paced sales position at a well-known company that seemed to offer a promising career track. What really drew me to it was the ability it was going to give me to be able to talk to different people every single day. Their description of this position was a retail sales consultant. I would be working in a retail store, so greeting customers, selling them products, upselling, providing customer service, anything you could think of that comes with sales. Jules was thrilled about this opportunity. Not only did it offer good pay and benefits, but she was also a natural fit for sales. Her strong work ethic and driven nature made her a perfect candidate for the environment this job posting was advertising. But her high drive mentality would lead her into a position that would make her question her actions and the ethics of this company. My name's Carly and this is Toxic Workplace a podcast that gives a platform to those who have survived a highly toxic work experience only to come out with newfound wisdom and a renewed sense of self. A toxic workplace is more than just the daily grind. It's a soul-crushing experience that will chip away at your sanity until you're about to lose your mind. It's an abusive relationship that's hard to leave. And the longer you stay, the more you lose sight of who you set out to be. So HR reached out to me and very cookie cutter. Hey, we really liked your resume. Would love to set time to do the first step of interviewing. So they sent a survey and it was like a what if scenario. So what if your manager tells you to do something morally wrong? What would you do? And it had a bunch of bullet points that you would answer, which at the time, not having a big girl job, I honestly thought, wow, this is great. They're thinking, how can we morally and ethically treat our customers and our employees right? Because it didn't just have customer-based questions. It also had, if you see your manager stealing, if you see a coworker harassing somebody, what do you do? So it definitely stood out like, okay, wow, they care about their employees. They care about their customers. I passed that portion of it to then get a email again. And it was setting up time to then do an in-person interview, which at the time I was told it was only going to be with the manager of the retail store that I applied for but was taken back when I walked into a group of like five people. One of the vibes that I got was it was very judgmental. So I would respond with questions they would ask, which would be like, how are you with time management? And I would respond with your typical, 
I make sure to make a schedule so that way I'm always on time and I'm not late. And I would look over and the assistant manager was like rolling her eyes, looked like she didn't want to be there. It was just off-putting from the beginning. And I didn't think that at the time because I'm so excited to get this job. Other than the eye-rolling manager, the interview process seemed pretty solid. The layers of screening and questionnaires told Jules that this company put effort into finding the right employees and cared about their people. This was also her first corporate job interview, so she really didn't have other experiences to compare with. Proving her value and securing a position with this company was her main focus. Jules killed the interview and was offered the position. Her first weeks at the company consisted of off-site in-depth training, in which she thoroughly enjoyed. I went to a, it was like five-week training. It's really cool the way that they do it. They send you to another state. They pay for everything. They pay for you to stay in a hotel. They pay for you to eat. They pay for you to be able to go do fun stuff. And everything that you learn in this training was not anything they used in the store. You would get trained on um, if you see somebody who doesn't even have a dollar in their pocket, we shouldn't be selling them things. But then you would go into your store and your manager would be like, I don't care if it's their last dollar. Make sure you're pulling it out of their hand. So just like everything I kind of stood for. um, And I didn't learn this until later in the job once I finally like hit the floor and I was selling what would happen after the training is you would go into the store and train next to it was supposed to be a very senior sales rep but they put me with somebody who was only with the company for eight weeks and they specifically put me with them because they were just selling so quickly and they just wanted me to just soak in everything that this employee was doing. Later, this employee was fired. The manager was pushing this person so they could hit their specific number. They were basically scheming the system. They were having such a high performance that it was almost like how are you doing this? There's no possible way unless you're doing something unethical. And they dug into it. And and at the end of it, someone kind of had to get blamed and it was this person and they let him go. But I bet you if they wouldn't have had to fire somebody, they wouldn't have. Jules says there was a drastic difference between what was taught at the offsite training and what was taught on site at the store. The initial training was administered by their corporate office, people who aren't necessarily working or selling at retail locations, but who know how to put together an amazing presentation with feel-good corporate morals and language that makes new hires feel like they've come to the right place. On the company website's careers page, you'll see a list of corporate values. There's pictures of hip employees with big smiling faces. There's verbiage about growth, mentorship, and their continuing education programs. It's fantastic job marketing, and I can imagine this five-week training that Jules took had a similar feel. It's easy to create a feel-good vibe when you're trying to sell someone on how wonderful a multi-billion dollar company is. But back at the branch, it's a whole different vibe. The focus isn't on employee growth and values, it's solely on the numbers. The push for sales was so strong that it created an anxious, dishonest work environment where employees felt pressure to sacrifice their own morals and integrity. 
the job description was not anything that they said it was. Also, the first initial survey that I took about being moral, being ethical, they wanted you to completely throw it out the door. At first, I was just biting the bullet because that's kind of all I knew. Like, this is how we sell. This is how we do it. And the manager at the time was pushing in a very manipulative way. Like, if you don't do this, we're going to find a way to fire you. There wasn't a day that went by that you weren't being watched. You could tell because that's when the micromanaging and the managers would actually follow you around the entire store, stand next to you. And not at like a stand right at the table with you, but stand in a distance that you knew that they were standing behind you and watching you. And the way that our performance metrics worked is they would perform a performance review on you. They would watch your sale, listen to the things that you would say. You would get a certain score and they started to manipulate the scores based on who they liked and who they didn't. It was a scale. So it was three, two, one, three being the best, which no one ever got because the managers would actually get yelled at for giving people threes. And then two being like, you did what you were supposed to. Here's a high five and a one being you didn't do what you were supposed to. So what they called a miss. If you worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they didn't like you, you knew that you were getting a one on both of those days. If you got a one in the same category three times, that triggered you to be on a a written warning. Let's say you worked Saturday and you got another one that would trigger you to be on a final written warning. And then if you got another one after that, that would be you getting terminated. There was supposed to be a one-on-one meeting where they review, like, what can I do to help you not get another one of these? But it would just be, hey, you got another one, do better. You could hit every check mark and you could do everything perfect. But if that customer doesn't say yes at the end of the day, for any reason, you knew that you were getting a one because they were going to dig deep in that sale. And they make sure to point out the one small detail you could have missed. At the time, before I even became a manager, I knew that it was coming from the higher ups. I was just blinded by the money. All of the shiny things were still shiny. And everybody around me was saying like, this place is a terrible place to work. And I just stayed blinded to it and kept looking at the shiny things. At one point, if they said jump, I didn't even ask how high I just jumped. Eventually it clicked and I was no longer following the processes that came with following your manager, being unethical, doing what they say. Once the ass kissing stopped on my end, I really truly saw how terrible the managers were. Up until this point, Jules went along with the sales agenda her manager was pushing. She saw how uncomfortable and stressed her coworkers were when their numbers were unsatisfactory and didn't want the same micromanaging treatment. She could only carry on for so long without reaching a breaking point. Once she reached it and made changes to how she was going about her selling, she saw how fast and easy it was to fall onto the chopping block. 
so then I started to fall into like not doing those unethical sales and started to watch my numbers slip. And then I started to get the treatment, the micromanaging and that initial training that you took. If you followed those steps, you were not going to be a high flyer. You were going to be middle of the pack. You're going to be just hanging on. And the people who were really outperforming were the ones doing the unethical sales. The unethical way that they were selling is they were combining everything into one number and not breaking down what the customer was paying for. So they would just add things in at the end without the customer knowing and just say that they were getting a discount, but they really weren't. And then their bill would be three times what they were paying before. They're also in a contract. So the next moral part of it that really broke my heart watching was the person that sold it to them. You would see them run to the back room and hide because the customer was coming in to say, what the heck is going on with my bill? Now I'm in a contract and can't do anything about it. The customer would be told you need to contact customer service and then get shoved out the door because they weren't buying anything. On top of it, most of these services that they were paying for, it didn't come in one bill. It came in two different bills. So not only were they having to go to one place, they were having to go to another because we didn't just sell our service. We sold other services too. So now this customer is going to have to talk to multiple customer service numbers, probably go nowhere. It was unethical sales because they were lying straight to the customer's face. The customer would ask a question like, am I in a two-year contract? And I would listen to these people say, no, you're not. You're only in a one-year contract. And after the first year, you can do whatever you want, which is a straight lie. (laughs) It was a two-year contract where after the first year, your price was going up. So when they were quoting these customers for these numbers, they weren't giving them the whole spiel of, hey, this is your first year price. This is your second. They were just saying, hey, here's your first year. Those customers that were also coming in saying, hey, my bill is triple, were not even prepared for what was going to come year two. So it would have been six times what they were paying before. When the focus of a sales team is solely on closing deals, there is little incentive for ethical behavior. In Jewel's situation, it was detrimental to her status as a salesperson if she practiced ethical selling. Lying and deceiving customers was part of the culture at this store, and this made Jewel's highly uncomfortable. When I first got in this position, I was following this eight-week employee who was doing it that way, was saying, hey, this is your first year price, and this is what you're going to end up paying. And that's what I was doing when I was then selling on my own to realize I had all of these customers coming back, and I was trying to help them. I'm going out of my way trying to help them, and I have my manager telling me, don't worry about them. Tell them to call customer service and send them on their way. And I'm doing that because this is what someone who's been at the company for a while and I was raised to your higher ups or your higher up, you treat them with respect. Then eventually there came a point where I was like, ah, no, I'm, I'm going to do it the way I was taught in my five week training. And I started doing that and I started noticing I wasn't getting as many sales. I started noticing like, oh my God, yeah, it's because I'm not saving these customers money. 
I'm not going to make them pay more and like lie to their face just to get the sale. I'm going to tell them the straight truth. And I was noticing more people like saying no to me and saying no. Then I started noticing, okay, now my manager's following me around more. I'm getting these performance reviews and they're all having ones on them. And oh my gosh, am I going to lose my job? What the heck? So I started to get frustrated. And that's really when like the trauma of this job kind of sunk in because I had a choice to make. I had to choose do the unethical thing or lose my job. (laughs) That second option is really, really scary. Jules struggled greatly with this dilemma. On one side, she felt horrible about duping customers into contracts that they didn't necessarily need or couldn't afford. It weighed heavily on her conscience. But on the other side, if she didn't go along with what her manager expected, she would be micromanaged, chewed up, and spit out, left without a job. And the prospect of being unemployed was terrifying. What if no one else would hire her? What if she had to take a significant pay cut? These thoughts fueled her desire to somehow make this job work out. At the time, when I'm weighing these two options, I have a feeling of like, I can't leave this job because it's my first job. If I quit right now, I don't have something lined up. I have a very strong work ethic. I played sports my entire life. And that was the other thing that like really played into like the whole like being able to quit was I can't quit because I need to feel like I conquered this beast. And that's when I needed to figure out what the heck I was going to do and didn't know that this third option kind of was there. And I kind of figured it out on my own. And it was The only way I'm going to move up with this company and hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that it's just this store that this is happening at and it's not other stores was transferring to a different store. So I actually then went ahead and transferred to another store, which was a little bit a ways down the road, but not too far. And it was the same thing. <laughs> the manager wasn't as terrible as the one at my my original store. They were a lot better. I got along with them. They didn't follow me around. They didn't do the typical treatment that I got at my original store, which resulted in that manager getting fired. So if you weren't following your employees around, micromanaging them, putting them on discipline, doing all that stuff that was happening at my other store, they were letting these managers go. That's where I started to think to myself, you know what, I want to know what being a manager is like here, because I need to know what they go through. And I kind of went like undercover boss (laughs) mode, and was like, all right, I'm gonna get promoted. So I unfortunately had to suck up this feeling that I was having and had to learn how to kiss ass. And that's what I did to get myself promoted and became a manager. And honestly, it was probably the worst decision of my entire life, but also the best decision of my entire life because I now have a view of how not to treat employees. I have a view of it doesn't matter what your manager says, you don't do it. I learned a lot of lessons with becoming a manager with this company, which 
resulted in me deciding to just like at the end of it, just getting having so much trauma from this job to finally work up the courage and and being so brave enough to just quit. I spent about, I would say maybe eight months as a assistant manager and then the rest of the time, so about a year and a couple of months as a store manager. Unfortunately, getting promoted to manager wasn't the solution to end the toxicity. If anything, it exposed Jules more directly to the relentless push for sales from regional management who could care less who was fired for the sake of hitting their numbers. And Jules was their middleman, the one to do their dirty work. Being in a high-stress work environment takes a toll on your mental health, but toss in the component of an unethical dilemma and it worsens the severity. Being in this position suffocated her integrity. Her conscience was heavy-hearted. The stress and anxiety of the situation was traumatizing. It was extremely eye-opening. The things that our upper management was telling us to do made you feel like a terrible human at the end of the day. They're telling you to do all these terrible things, like give this person a score. I don't care how well they do today. What can we do to get this person fired? Not ever saying like, what can we do to help this person? And they would manipulate because they would say things like, we're going to give you a better store or we're going to give you a better position or pay is going to be different. They would never directly say, hey, fire this person and we'll give you this position. They would give you the political response of something like, hey, you know, this person really needs to go. Like, what can we do to get them out? And then would transition into I just want to let you know that this store is going to be available for someone to take over or this position is going to be available for somebody to apply to. So you could kind of see them like dangling the carrot and giving you a very political answer. And just like all these things that you think it's going to change and it just it goes nowhere. So it was just false promises all the time. I was a very encouraging manager. I was kind of giving the sales rep the freedom to be able to breathe when they're at work, not following them around, not writing them up, doing all these things. And yeah, our numbers started to slip. And it's the same pattern as when you're a sales rep. Like if you do what you're actually taught in this sales training, your numbers aren't going to be a high flyer, even at a store manager level. So that's when my manager started to, you could see it. My manager's coming down on me now. He's telling me like, we need to fire this person and we need to fire this person. And I'm telling him, no, I'm not firing this person. I'm not doing the things you tell me. And it just started to make my life more difficult and make it harder for me to come to work. And At the same time, when I was doing the unethical thing and encouraging my team to do the unethical thing, they hate me. They don't like me. Not only is it not fun to come to work because your team that is supposed to like you, they hate you. The only person that likes you is your manager. You're just performing and you're ass kissing. It really broke my heart to see 
how hard some of these employees would try. And I would still have to be the one to be like, you didn't do good enough. A lot of people in my life would be like, just quit, just quit, just quit. The thing that was really hard for me was I felt so stuck. I was getting paid really well. I was getting really good benefits. And it wasn't those two things. It was more the feeling of, I don't know where I'm going to go. And I feel like nobody's going to hire me. At that time, I was applying for other jobs and everybody kept turning me down. And I just felt so stuck. I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to pay bills? How am I going to do all of this? And I wasn't able to sleep. All I could talk about anymore was how terrible my job was. It almost like came to be a part of my personality. It's crazy working your way up in this company and actually seeing the signs. If I would have seen what I've seen five years ago when I applied for this job or knew what I knew at that time, I would have I wouldn't even have applied. The burden this job had over Jewel's life became unbearable. She saw how it was destroying her life outside of work. The burden far outweighed the fear of unemployment or a pay cut with a new job. But she couldn't bear working for this company any longer. Leaving this company and notifying management would prove to be yet another toxic and manipulative hurdle to jump through. I just start thinking to myself, this is not for me anymore. I can't keep continuing to wake up in the morning, be miserable from the minute my eyes open up because I know I have to go into this place to leave work, to talk about it when I get home because it's the only way to release these feelings and knowing that I'm stressing my partner out and myself out even more. It was just becoming a very dreadful cycle. And at one point, I couldn't do it anymore and just broke. And I decided this is it. I'm done. I can't be a part of this anymore. So when I put my two weeks in at the time, my manager liked me. He was begging me not to leave. And he was trying to do everything in his power to get me into another position. But it wasn't in a healthy begging way. It was it was in a way of like, you can't leave. What are you going to do? Like making that feeling of I'm stuck even harder. I broke down in front of him. Like I was telling him, I can't work here. This place is so toxic. You're coming down on me for unethical things we shouldn't even be doing. My team hates me. I I hate coming here. I broke down hysterically crying. And when he heard me say This place has given me anxiety and stress and almost put me into a giant depression. A normal person would be like, I'm so sorry to hear that. I understand your feelings. No, that's like when the like begging started. Like, well, what are you going to do? Where are you going to work? That part was very toxic. At the end of it, when I quit, I was very relieved, but also a sense of like, I can't believe I even stooped down to some of those levels to keep my job. I was so dissatisfied with myself. I was beating myself up even after I was gone from that place. The time spent with this company had a lasting effect on Jules. The years of stress and suppression needed an outlet, so she sought out a therapist who specialized in work trauma. 
With the help of her therapist, she was able to take control of her emotions surrounding her toxic work experience and use it as a navigational tool in her new job. I actually go to therapy once a week um, and it's specifically work trauma therapy. I work with my therapist on being able to recognize toxic signs and how to cope with people in your job that just aren't nice and don't want to treat you well. So it really hit me hard after I quit because I needed to talk to somebody about how much I was beating myself up and, and how guilty I felt for like doing these things and stooping down to these levels. And it really helped a lot. And one thing that I really took away from this that I do now is boundaries, just overall boundaries. At the time when I was working for this company, my manager would call me at any hour of the day and I knew I had to answer. Now, when I'm done at five o'clock, I am done at five o'clock. If you call me or you text me or you email me, I will read that thing tomorrow at 8.30. <laughs> if my manager tells me to jump, I don't jump anymore. I ask, why are we doing this? How is this going to benefit us? I ask a lot of questions and I make sure that the end result isn't going to be something that's going to hurt the client or the company or myself. Put yourself first. It doesn't matter how much this job is paying you how stuck you feel, how great their benefits are, how false promises seem so real in the moment. It's all about putting yourself first and knowing that there is another job out there that will treat you well. And heck, if you don't get a job, it's okay. One will come and take the time that you need of not having a job to enjoy life. As terrible as it was, you get experiences and you know now for the future, it's not always going to be that way. Put yourself first. Enjoy life. Set boundaries on your sacrifices. These are invaluable words of wisdom that Jules has taken away from this experience. This newfound wisdom is serving her on her path of a fulfilling life. You have to take the good with the ugly. Our hardest moments are the most shaping in our path forward, and you have to keep pushing forward. And look, sometimes you can't do it on your own. Sometimes you need someone to help you get unstuck and out of your spiraling thoughts. Continuously beating yourself up for something you did in the past will never move you forward. Finding a work trauma therapist as Jules did will give you the tools and a new mindset you need to come out swinging and ready to take on new challenges. Life is full of challenges. There's always going to be something around the bend. It's these hard experiences that teach us how to move forward with grace and courage. Next time on Toxic Workplace. Someone would make a mistake we would just throw each other under the bus. It was a really cutthroat environment. Like my heart would be literally pounding as I work and I felt like throwing up. Like I was so anxious that I would make mistakes. I would feel like I was just so stupid and worthless.